Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Sharon. I had a 40-year porn addiction. Porn was an unwelcome guest for 32 years of our marriage. I found hope and freedom when I attended a Gateway to Freedom weekend. And I found hope and the courage to begin my healing journey while attending Wives Care. Don't be like us and allow porn to wreak havoc in your lives. Reach out to Be Broken today. To learn more about Gateway to Freedom, 3-Day Intensive for Men, and Wives Care online groups, visit BeBroken.org or call 210-822-8201. That's BeBroken.org or 210-822-8201. Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio Program. Conflict is inevitable in marriage, but often couples assume that all conflict is bad or wrong and believe the goal is to eliminate it altogether. But my guest today has a different approach when it comes to conflict in marriage. His name is Andrew Arthur, and he is a mediation specialist with both personal experience and professional expertise in addressing conflict in marriage. In this episode, Andrew helps us normalize the reality of conflict, gives a simple definition of conflict, how to navigate the needs and interests of both parties in the conflict, and unpacking the five specific conflict styles and how they intersect in marriage. If your marriage is struggling with conflict and how to resolve it in constructive ways, this conversation with Andrew will help. To learn more about Andrew and mediation services that he offers, visit genesischristianmediation.com. For more resources, visit bebroken.org or check out links in today's show notes. And we sure appreciate it if you would rate and review the program after listening so that this helps other people to find it. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken, and we exist to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Now, let's talk about conflict management with Andrew. Well, all right, Andrew Arthur, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation. It's a little bit... Uh, it's a little bit unique to maybe some of the the guests that we sometimes have on our program, because I feel like in some way you're coming at, at this issue of sexual brokenness and pornography and all these uh, sexual issues that can really be disruptive in a marriage. But we're going to be coming at it from a little bit different angle through kind of your expertise around uh, conflict management and conflict resolution. Uh, but before we get to that, in spe- you know specifically, why don't you just share with our listeners just a little bit about who you are and how you've gotten into the work that you are doing currently? Okay. Um, well, um, it was a bit of a, a God moment. Um, so I entered into the realm of divorce in 2017 um, at the request of my wife and um uh, I was uh, the exact moment was we were sitting in a mediation room, not unlike the rooms that I use uh, in in my practice today. And um, it was a very, very hard thing. A divorce wasn't in my radar. It wasn't something I was looking for or part of my vocabulary. And I was just, as you can imagine, in a very dark place in that moment with all the accompanying feelings and and uh, life change that was about to happen. And I remember being in that mediation room and it was as if those all these clouds that were around me um, just parted for a moment. And I I literally heard the Lord ask me, why aren't you doing this? And I was so surprised with it. But what followed that was 
I kind of had these moments in my life, you know, sometimes you get pictures or flashbacks. Well, I had a few of those and I was like, huh, yeah, maybe I should be doing this. And immediately the, the, the reality of the world just came crashing back down on me uh, and, and I left that place. But that moment stuck with me. Uh, and then in the midst of COVID, I reached back out after my divorce was finalized. I reached back out to that very same mediation firm that had uh, started my divorce process. And I, I went back to the owner and said, hey, I kind of think I'm supposed to be doing this. And that's started my involvement in mediation and, uh, and started my pathway there. Yeah, so let's talk about how how first of all, just maybe how common it is that there is conflict in marriage. Can you talk about that in terms of just how often you may even see that as part of your work, but even just life in general, how common just disagreements, misunderstandings, however you want to even define conflict is in the marriage relationship? Well, uh, I I would say there's always conflict. Um uh, and, and I think John Gottman, who's probably the premier researcher into marriage relationships and the psychology and counseling behind that, would agree with me that, that conflict's present everywhere. Um, I think we often get into trying to figure out if it's good or bad or pronounce morality on it to some degree or, or in, in some way, but conflict's ever present. How would you go about just giving our listeners a working definition of conflict? Yeah, conflict is when two people come together who have different perspectives on things. And uh, conflict happens when neither person wants to move off of that position. And so then what... Go ahead. Usually underneath that, though, is the is the key. Right. And that's everybody's needs and interests. Ninety eight percent of the time when I sit in front of couples or families or churches or, or whatever, um, there's always needs and interests that are the underlying reasons for their for those positions that that somebody's taking. Right. And within that, there's usually always some kind of commonality. Whether it's, I want to be valued and respected. I want to feel loved. I want to feel heard. I, I want to be understood. Those present things are usually a part of each person or each party's story, and they intersect. And so the key in conflict is to get off of those held positions and get down to the root of what's needed or what's being looked for. And there's where you find the the secret to unlocking making connection uh, uh, out of conflict instead of disconnection. So where do you start that process? Let's say with a couple where there has been discovery of some kind of sexual behavior that has been a betrayal of trust. And you've obviously got within that, you've got a conflict. You have very different expectations of how things should be in terms of the the intimate trust that is necessary between a husband and a wife. And let's say a couple is saying, we got to work through this. Where do you start in terms of helping them address where they're mismatched in terms of their understanding and communication around whatever the issues may be? Yeah, that's a great question. And 
I think the very first question we we got we decide and we think about there is um, is proximity safe. So we first have to have a discussion: Is it safe for the two people to be in the same home? Um, often in those scenarios, there's a wide range of 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 how we approach things. Separation sometimes has to be a part of it because maybe maybe being in the same proximity isn't safe, and we have to work on building our relationship skills and and communication and listening and conflict management before we can get back in the same home. But assuming that we can be in the same home together, we start with a evaluating uh, someone's um, conflict skills, um, their, their listening villains, uh, as Oscar Tramboli calls it. And that's, you know, someone's ability to deal with distraction, how they, how they deal with distraction and engage in listening. Um, we look at, we'll do some kind of marital assessment. We favor, um, I don't know, this, and people might be familiar with this, preparing rich. We think that's a great tool uh, to kind of get underneath the hood of, of what's going on in a marriage. Um, and then we take them through communication boot camp, really, uh, talking about, you know, what is an ideal conversation supposed to look like and what are the components of that and, and how does your style of handling conflict work within that, that paradigm and such. Can you expand on what you said there first about evaluating conflict skills? Because uh, I'm thinking, man, that's not something that I've ever really heard I don't know if I've ever heard those two words paired up. You know, do you have good conflict skills? Um, can you help yeah. me understand what you mean by that? Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. So we all have styles. There's five universal styles of handling conflict. And we all have um, within that there, it's a accommodating, avoiding, collaborating, uh, compromising, and competing. And within that structure, um, we all have styles that we favor just naturally because of our personality or how we tend to communicate or, or deal with conflict, right? And so the first step of learning what kind of skills we have is evaluating what styles we default to um, when handling conflict. Do we, do we wanna force our way through the situation? Do we avoid conflict at all, at all costs? Do we, do we tend to just compromise or accommodate someone else's needs in order to preserve the relationship? Or do we, are we more collaborative with trying to get all the interests and needs and stuff on the table um, uh, within that discussion before in the, in the hopes of resolving something? So understanding that's uh, paramount to be able to kind of move forward uh, to those next levels of developing our conflict skills. Are there some of those styles that are uh, more complementary than others? And then are there other styles that are more like they just they they are harder to break through in terms of coming to agreement? Oh, absolutely. And, and one thing to, to remember is there's no bad conflict style. They're all uh, they're all good. Um, or useful, but in certain situations, right? So um, more effective or complementary styles are uh, collaborators. If you have two collaborators in the room, it may take them a long time to make decisions, but they're gonna they're gonna work together on on filling up that whiteboard, so to speak, on on the possibilities and and ways to uh, figure things out. 
some, uh, a, you know, a compromiser and accommodator. There's going to be some some synergy there as well. Um, where you get into hard harder styles is when you have like a collaborator and a compromiser or a competing and a compromising. When you have two different viewpoints of how you should handle things and in and, and, uh, an aggressive and a passive style, when those two meet, that's where you get a little bit of fireworks and difficulty um, in translating um, values and understandings through that that passivity or aggressiveness because those are easily misinterpreted and and uh, they go they go awry quickly now since i'm uh i can be slow sometimes can you actually go and repeat those five styles and and help us really define each of those because i'm thinking I'm thinking of the listeners that's out there that said, man, Andrew, you, you, you blew through those real quick. You started giving some examples. We started kind of getting down into the weeds of how do these things connect, but just help us to understand each style so that maybe our listeners and maybe even myself, I can go, that's my style. I want to, I want to learn my style. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, the five of them, um, there's accommodating and accommodating is uh, the style where someone wants to preserve the relationship at all costs so they defer when a decision needs to be made or, or when they're in conflict um, there's the uh, avoidance style and that's someone who who looks at conflict through the lens of how it's affecting them and they don't want anything to do with that so they generally defer and abandon right because they don't they just they're hoping the conflict will get solved or just go away um, there's the competing style and that's someone who has a plan, a desired outcome in mind. They're on the journey to make that happen. And they're, they're going to go after that, irregardless of the impact to relationship. Then there's a, a collaborating. And, a, and collaborating, again, is, is, is this desire to, to not only put together all the possible outcomes or ways to resolve a problem, but to preserve the relationship as well. And then lastly, it's, there's compromising. And that's someone who, like uh, a competing personality, is, is more assertive, but they're coming with a plan and a solution that often involves personal sacrifice because they, again, are wanting to protect the relationship. Even though they see they have an outcome in mind, they're driven towards something, their relationship first and, uh, and, and that's why they're offer, offering the compromise. Yeah, that's really good. Now, uh, you talk about how important it is for each of the individuals in the relationship to kind of understand their conflict style or, or their communication style there. How do you then, what happens next in terms of trying to resolve what the particular conflict may be about? Yeah. Um, that is a that is the million dollar question, right? So when you have understanding of how you operate in a search in, in a situation, right? Then it, what becomes the next step is really learning how to communicate in an emotionally intelligent way, right? So you're recognizing I'm going to tend to look at this situation in this way, and my my spouse is going to come from this other style, this other viewpoint. In what way do I need to communicate to bring us both to the table, right? 
in a safe in a safe way. So if I know that I'm more of a driven competing personality where I have I'm I've got a plan, I've got an outcome, I'm going for that. I need to recognize that and the first step for me is to slow down. Right? Not more than often the pace that I'm trying to go out is not a pace that's necessary to reach a decision or to put a plan together, right? So my first step is to slow down. And if my spouse is accommodating or um, avoidant, then my next step is I've got to create a space that's safe for them, where there's no threat of conflict for them to relay their understanding and their desired outcome so that we can begin talking and looking at um, the possibilities of, of each person's perspective. Now, all of this sounds very um, neat and clean the way that you're describing it. Um, but <laughs> however, life is never neat and clean, especially especially when we're talking right. about these issues of, of sexual brokenness in a, in a marriage relationship and just how right. devastating and traumatic that can be. So at, at what point, at what point does maybe a couple need some uh, therapy around what the traumatic elements are of their, you know, relationship? And then when, when might, let's say, some of this mediation or some of this conflict management be most useful for a couple maybe in their journey of, of trying to heal from the trauma that's happened in their relationship? Yeah. Uh, so... Um, if you can imagine um, conflict as this this kind of this mountain or this object in the on them sitting on the middle of a table, um, and imagine that table is a triangle, there's really three kind of areas that are going to be super useful and super helpful to a couple trying to reconcile, trying to repair um, the damage that's happened, right, and restore their relationship to what God's intended. You're going to have your your side of the mountain, that's your spiritual side. That's pastoral, spiritual direction, community groups at church, right? That's kind of that side. You're going to have this other side, emotional health. That's your counselors, your therapy, your some of your support groups. And the third side that's really kind of just gaining more traction and, and understanding is this family operation side. That's the pragmatic piece of the relationship. That's where you find things like mediation conflict coaching, uh, relationship skills, um, uh, life coaching, things like that, that delve into the more pragmatic. So when we meet with folks, we're, we're always working to establish kind of a care team around them. So to make sure they have a, a therapy or counseling connection to make sure that they're plugged into their local church community and have a, a mentor or connection there. And then we work with, with them based on their their needs as far as where their relationship skills at because um, really the next piece of applying all these things especially in uh, into uh, a situation where there's addiction involved and sexual brokenness is to start learning how to do communication better and the first step with that is is learning how to listen um, i'm going to throw out a number here the the average person listens at 400 words per minute but can only speak at an average of 125 to 150. So right then you already realize that you're, you can listen almost three times as fast as someone can talk. And, and that creates a lot of space 
for things to go sideways in 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 the act of listening. Um, and those are kind of things that we we explore and, and they're foundational to be able to repair communication skills, right? It's that first step of, of just learning to listen better. Yeah. So what happens then when a couple has kind of they've gained some knowledge of what their conflict style is? They've they've maybe then come to someone like you that says, okay, I've I've been getting some some spiritual help over here. I've been getting some, you know, counseling help over here. And now I want to try to kind of pull all these things together for around the the conflict management and the communication. Um, what does that look like in terms of helping these couples build those skills? It's one thing to like learn them, you know, check a box and say, okay, now I know that I'm an avoidant style of, you know, communicator. But what does it look like to start building the kind of skills that you're talking about so that, because it seems to me like, you tell me if I'm wrong here, Andrew, it seems to me like you would like your job to be helping people not see you as much (laughs) because you want them to be able to be good communicators and try to avoid conflict rather than just always having to manage it. Well, um, I I would say that we want to work ourselves out of a job for sure. and the process is, is we're, we're a super workshop. Like no other place is going to tell you, we ask you to bring your fights into the room with us uh, because we want to get in there. We want to see what happens. We're, we're really interested in working with the hows and the whats of what's happening in this operational, this communication and, and family management mode, right? Where we want to we get under the hood and see how are you talking to each other? Like, are you jumping in and responding typically in the first minute when somebody's trying to talk? Because um, that can be problematic because there's a lot of neuroscience out there just about how communication is wired in our brain. And we want to get under the hood and help people go to the gym, so to speak, and work out new muscles and build these skills in a pragmatic way. So can you give us maybe some some uh, examples of what that can look like? Uh, let's say if you just tried to take, you know, two styles at random that maybe you see a lot in your in your work and say, hey, this is how I would work with this couple that has these two styles to try to work them through to better communication skills. Can you give us maybe a little bit of a peek under the hood yeah. in terms of what a real life example might look like? Absolutely. Um, I'll, let's do for for fun. For fun, sorry, there's a little bit of, of gack in the video there. Um, for fun, let's do competing and compromising. Do so you think that, well, if someone's compromising, compromising and they're both more assertive styles that that could work well? Well, the, the difficulty or the problematic piece here is that in that relationship, there's generally one person always giving in, always making the upfront sacrifice and so we've when when and we generally get to see these people after this has been done frequently over years usually right and so what we then encounter is this buildup and residue of resentment and bitterness because someone all feels they're always the one sacrificing or 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 putting out solutions on the table or deferring to the other person um, so when when we coach that first we have to think about like what is what role does forgiveness play here? Is there some things that need to be released? Um, uh, 
you know, and some repentance that needs to happen to kind of clear some of that that baggage, some that that water under the bridge. And I'm not saying that in a cavalier way, but just saying there's a collection plate there, right, uh, of past. Um, and so we we have to we have to honor that and be aware of that. Uh, but the thing we're gonna we're gonna coach to again is speed. In relationships, we get into these patterns of trying to move and having to move so quickly through things in our response, in pushing our, our position or our agenda, or assuming what we think the other person's meaning or saying, we just get going so fast. And both these conflict style types like to move quickly. So we start talking about what does it mean to slow down? How long should you really practice listening before responding? We always coach three to four minutes, right, before before giving a response. Um, science tells us that that in the first two minutes of someone talking, they're likely only get to be able to get out about uh, 25 percent of what they actually mean. Uh, so we, we coach to speed and then we talk about how do you get everybody's ideas on the table and give them equal place. Right. So so the person who's compromising what would an ideal solution be for you before you offered that compromise? What are you, what are you really wanting behind there and getting that on the table uh, rather than it, it always defaulting to second position, right? So those are the kind of things that we would work on in that, in that type of scenario. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, no, that's really good. And another question I have is then, okay, you've got couples that let's say they're starting to move in this direction. They're both working hard. They're, they're trying to uh, understand their styles. They're trying to lean into better communication. They're trying to, to work in all of these things. What are some of the most common obstacles or roadblocks that you see couples hit as they are seeking to learn better communication? Because there's got to be hurdles that they've got to overcome, right? Um, what are some of the most common ones that you see oh, yeah. that potentially derail? um what's what they're trying to accomplish yeah the number one is assumptions um we just in general in our communication um assume a great deal based off of not very much information based off of past what we think what we imprint you know we make a ton of assumptions in communication and it it's a uh, it's so destructive um, it can go sideways in a hurry. Um, the second piece is, I think, um, is our ability to validate or not. Um, generally, that's uh, beyond listening. Validation is the second toughest skill that I see people struggle with. And what I mean by validation is this act of being able to show and communicate understanding where someone's coming from. It's not an, at a position of agreement or disagreement. It's simply the act of saying, I get what you're saying. I understand your position because of X, Y, and Z. It, it makes sense to me, right? Awfully hard to do. And it's one that pretty much everybody, when they come through our doors, needs practice on. Yeah. So before we, uh, before we wrap up, I want you to just, what hope would you offer, especially to the couple that's out there right now? They just feel stuck. Like they feel like they are just on a never ending merry-go-round of the same arguments, the same conflicts, the same struggles over and over again. Um, what hope would you offer to those couples out there that feel like they're in that place? 
yeah, uh, there's a lot of hope. Unfortunately, communication and, and conflict skills and listening, it's not something we're taught. There's, there, we, we don't go to school for it. It's not something our parents sit us down um, and, and, and give us lessons on or, or talk us through things or guide us through it. Um, it's something that we learn through growing up and in our environment and our jobs and school and things like that. And, and there's a lot of hope because those, these are skills that can be changed if your heart is willing to do the work. And I, I, to this day, I haven't had a couple come through that if both parties remained committed to doing the work of making the changes needed to honor each other better in communication and listen to each other more, um, uh, I, those relationships keep going and they, they improve because again, there's that strong commitment and heart uh, and desire to change and, and learn new things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation, Andrew, obviously, you know, we can only scratch the surface here and, and sometimes this kind of stuff, especially when you're talking about how much you uh, workshop and do the process work, in your uh in your practice it's hard sometimes to convey that through a podcast but i appreciate you having the conversation where can our listeners go to just learn more about these kind of tools that you offer and and services um they can go to our website genesis christian mediation um dot uh, com genesis christian mediation com or they can email me directly at andrew at genesischristianmediation.com. I'm happy to point them in, in the direction, give them some resources. We do virtual help as well. So we do meetings virtually and things like that. So um, whatever they need, we're, we're in the business of, of helping preserve and save relationships. So um, I'm so honored to be on this uh, podcast with you. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. We will make sure to put all that information in our show notes. But Andrew, thank you for taking the time today to, to be with us and for just what you're doing to try to help uh, couples improve their communication and conflict management. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah. Well, listeners, we're always glad that you're with us and our desire is to help you take your next best step. And so please reach out to us and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.